0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Feminifesto podcast. In this episode, Vaishnavi and I speak to Sonal Kapoor. Sonal is the founder and director at Protsahan India Foundation. She has done her graduation in microbiology from Delhi University and post-graduation from SIIB an Indian School of Business. Sonal is a member of the Expert Committee on Anti-Child Trafficking at the Delhi Commission of Women and a member of the CSO Coalition to End Child Marriage in India. She is a Vital Voices Fellow, World Bank Fellow and Blogger, Australia-India Youth Dialogue Fellow, Goldman Sachs ISP Woman Social Entrepreneur, Fiki and CII awardee. She is a Speaker of Repute at Harvard School of Graduate Education, Boston and Chicago University and several IIMs and IITs. She has received several national and international acclaims for her work with
1: vulnerable children across the country.
2: Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Sonal. We're really excited to feature you on our
1: Feminine podcast. Thank you, Vash. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: So to begin with, I'd like to ask you what catalyzed the switch from a background in microbiology and an MBA to social entrepreneurship?
1: I think, um, you know, it's, entrepreneurship it's funny when uh, you know all these um, you know places or people call me one because I don't really consider myself uh, a social entrepreneur by any means or you know even um, very recently at one of the places where uh, we were being recognized uh, you know somebody just mentioned that word social entrepreneur and honestly I think I Kind of, um, you know, my shoulders just kind of turning because I'm not that. I I just would probably, you know, um, I started off as a teacher, um, you know, with the rescue of one child from, you know, just not allowing her to go to a brothel, but making her go to a school. And it's funny how the journey started from there without me realizing or me without me being even aware of what I ended up, you know, doing in in um, in, in retrospect. But I think uh, now I truly know that I am not the entrepreneur or social entrepreneur. And I'm I'm just, I am not even the doer, like honestly, and I don't want to sound very philosophical saying it, but I think uh, a lot of such things just happen and you got to go along and just do, you know, keep doing it because um, there is not much. Uh, thought process that you you know put in on day one of course in the fourth or the fifth year you know a lot of plans and um, excel sheets and stuff come up but I think when you start it's something that just tugs your heart and it starts so I was shooting for a corporate film at that point in time and I happened to meet this young mother 36 37 years of age and um, she was heavily pregnant with her seventh child and I remember sitting with her and one of her um, daughters, eight-year-old, came up with chai in her hands. And uh, I, you know, I just happened to ask this mother that, you know, what is it? So this kid was not, was not able to walk right. Um, and I asked her, has she fallen down? You know, has she gotten herself hurt while playing? And this mother, very matter-of-fact way, you know, she narrates that, uh, no somebody comes in every three to four days uh, from, which I later, uh, you know, understood it's an un- unorganized brothel system in the space. And uh, takes this kid, this seven and a half, eight-year-old, um, and every three or four days gets her back. And with the money that she brings, I feed the rest of the five daughters that I have. So she had six daughters. And, uh, since she was also heavily pregnant, I, I, happened to ask her, you know, on that day that what is it that you're going to do with the seventh one, which is in your womb. And she tells me very candidly, very, um, um, you know, reassuringly, if that's the word to me that don't worry if it's a boy, I will bring him up, get him, you know, educated and, uh, he'll earn and give me back and give us the, give the family back. But this time, if it's a girl, I will strangle her the minute she's born. And I think, um, I couldn't go back and work on those clients and I, I loved my job you know I, I used to do digital and um, digital was just picking up 10 years back um, I, I loved what I did but I think I, I just couldn't go back it all seemed to be like really like I don't know it, it just lost all meaning and just started in the next three hours Thank you so much
0: for sharing that, Sonal. I can't imagine what must have gone on your mind when you were listening to all of those things that the woman had to share. Um, And in many ways, I suppose it's fair to say that she was also a victim of her circumstances, of her conditioning and and of what we largely see play out even today. Uh, Thank you, really, for taking that as a catalyst and for taking the direction forward. So in the three hours that Prat Sahan was born and today, um, What has it grown to be? What are some of its key areas of focus and and how did you set out reaching out to your beneficiary community and and how did it all grow from there?
1: Um, When we started, um, which is precisely about almost 10 years back, um, I think I always say that, you know, I never had a B plan. I never had plan B. You know, I didn't know that if not this, what next will I do? Neither did I have these fancy blueprints or, you know, presentations that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Let us let me raise funds for it. I, I, I didn't know anything, you know, but I... Honestly, I just knew that I will not have girls go to brothels right in front of my eyes when they should be going to schools. And um, this was, and I was 23. Um, From that point, um, you know, when your parents generally expect you to, after MBA or whatever, to kind of, you know, uh, go the normal way of uh, like, like, you know, maybe become a better rat of the rat race or the best rat in the rat race. And I uh, gradually chose not to become one. But I think from that point where we were just a one-room shelter, school, home, everything that we were, to today where um, we are running centers in the slums in Delhi, and a lot of training programs that we do on child protection across the country in partnership with a lot of other organizations the key focus areas are primarily three access to education access to healthcare access to justice because you know we believe that if a girl and we, most of our work is with adolescent girls that you know if a adolescent girl who's at the complete bottom of pyramid completely by the margins sidelines you know if she doesn't have access to education healthcare and justice she will never grow up to her you know up to her full potential and to understand the intersectionality of all of these three, three things we were doing all of this you know stuff uh, all of these years but you know to kind of take a step back and you know see that you know that how these three are kind of marrying into each other to um, uh, you know kind of give the impact that that the programs were having i think that has only come in in the last few years if not more Because um, a lot of, um, you know, um, programs can say, hey, we work on, you know, on menstrual hygiene or a completely different organization saying, hey, we work on primary education. But I think if you're working, um, you know, with uh, young children or children for that matter, it's it's very critical to understand how important is, you know, three or four things and the intersectionality of all those three or four things for holistic growth of, of a child. But sometimes in this madness to, you know, have fancy numbers on the annual report, um, you know, people look at scale, not holistically. And I think uh, I am not okay with that. You know, when you kind of put in that, hey, X amount of you know, for example, there was this, um, I will choose not to take the names of the organizations, but there were, um, uh, you know, two lakh pencil boxes which were distributed um, in this massive village. And at the end of their annual report, they said that two lakh uh, children, uh, you know, the lives of those two lakh children were transformed uh, in, in, in the sphere of education. Eight pencil box in the of I mean I think we need to look at scale we need to look at this intersectionality that you know it's it's imperative so from that point of one room center to today when we understand we're beginning to understand these things you know and uh, consolidating our work um, specifically in the child protection space um, where we um, do a lot of work on fighting child sexual abuse child trafficking and child marriage because we believe intrinsically believe that child marriage is nothing but CSA you know child sexual abuse so looking at the you know these three core Areas that ridicule literally the dignity of a child. We're trying to work um, through art and technology, that that being the core uh, of how we work. But the why is to make sure that the access to education, health care, and justice is available for every child.
2: What a powerful journey of grit and perseverance it has been in the last 10 years. And it's so amazing to see how much Pakistan has grown in the process. And I really admire the fact that uh, you set out to accomplish, the way you set out to accomplish your goal and how you approached it with an intersectional, uh, from an intersectional manner. So thank you so much for sharing that. But please do tell us more about your girls at SotSahar. Um, some of them have accomplished great heaps under um, the foundation's guidance. And we'd love for our listeners to hear about their hard work and success.
1: So, um, most of my girls, you know, when they came in um, initially, they were eight, nine, some were school dropouts, some of them had had very, very difficult circumstances, some of them didn't have parents, some of them were, you know, from sexual, uh, sexually violent backgrounds, some of them were, um, you know, they uh, kind of took a stand and said, hey, no, no to child marriage, some of them were child brides. So, they come from, you know, massively difficult circumstances, all of, you know, each of, Uh, the circumstances being different and more difficult, if not less than the other. And from those beginnings to now, when I look at them, you know, they're 17, 16, 15 years of age, 18 years of age. They're beginning to now, you know, end up as wedding film photographers, as photojournalists in the community, um, getting, um, you know, seven seven of them won the district martial arts championship uh, last year. They've applied for the Delhi um, state championship this year. So, um, and some of them, the ones who finished 12, um, you know, the age of marriages are delayed. So they don't get married at 13, 14, 15. But now they're 21, 18, 17, you know, and they're not married. They are having the first job. Um, and they're earning more than the father and the brother of the family combined, I think uh, they put more money on the table so they have more decision-making capacity in the family. The mother listens to them, the family, the elder people in the family listen to them. And I think when you're looking at holistic empowerment, it's imperative to look at also the financial independence because without that, without economic empowerment, a lot of the other stuff, you know, becomes um, uh, uh, not more or less... uh, um, um, in, less important, but I think uh, it 's important to have the final goal as you know her going out and working i mean i 'm not saying that she should be working at ten, but at eighteen at twenty, depending on what her circumstances um so some of them are pursuing um, you know psychology honours from Igdu University and pursuing a job. Some of them have come back to Protsahan as peer educators and working in the digital lab stem center. Um, in the slum. So depending on, you know, uh, what their caliber is, what their financial situation in the family is, where specifically the ones that we work with come from extremely difficult financially, you know, uh, deprived backgrounds. So until 18, until 12 standard, I think if they are certain and, you know, they have enough life skills to kind of go up and kind of become financially empowered, that gives them a sense of, you know, independence and dignity and mobility, which is unmatched You know, and I think um, that's what, you know, when we say healing, we say a lot of our work, you know, it's the the basic core tenet that we always follow is, um, we call it the heart approach, where we say it is, um, you know, the holistic healing, uh, H for holistic healing, E for education, A for art-based life skills, R for recovery, T for technology. And again, based in the entire concept is that she should be, you know, standing up on her own two feet. Because there's nothing more powerful than a woman who has her own economic independence, you know.
0: Thank you so much for that. Um, and, and truly, this is, and this is something that comes up a lot in our conversation, Sonal. Um, largely the lack of intersectionality and the presence of silos. And it goes back to something you also brought up um, in the previous question about how, People look at band-aid solutions as,
1: as,
0: you know, just the be all end all of things, but, um, and I'd love to know more about the heart approach that you talked about. How did it all come about? Um, was it something that you formulated as you went by and is it something that perhaps the girls co-created with you with experience?
1: So this is something that, um, you know, initially we uh, we used to, uh, in, in the very initial year, I think third or fourth year, we used to call it the heart approach. Over a period of time, you know, we kind of evolved it into a much more heal approach, where we said it's about healing, holistic healing, education, art and life skills. But then we realized, you know, we uh, we were trying to do, um, you know, like we were not doing justice to the fact that a lot of recovery from trauma, when we say heart and our, you know, recovery from trauma, a lot of that aspect got missed in the heel uh, approach that we wanted to call, call the model. And then we went back to the heart principle because that that was the core of you know that that didn't change, um, uh, you know over a period of time. We we kind of uh, over this last what nine and a half ten years, we've realized that you know the core of what we do has to be art and technology with a backbone of healing the trauma that the girls have gone through because a lot of times you know when when you say the uh, a lot of incest cases um, you know that we work with um, now, what do you do? Uh, how 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 much or how um, how much an amount of education or or ABCD or calculus can take care of the fact that you know one's own father turned into a monster, right? How, so if we just look at the heal part of it without the recovery from trauma then healing will not be justified in prohan's um, definition of work and hence we kind of you know went back to saying that you know our approach is kind of a hard approach um, and that's that's the core basis of what we do and why we do what we do. It's so
2: amazing that you're inculcating in an entire bunch of young ones with these um, essential life skills, if I may call them, and things that you don't learn at school, things that are taboo and things that, you know, you just never actually read about or write about. And it's, it's really amazing. So thank you so much for that. Let's take a little bit of a detour. You just got back uh, from a trip to Finland where you were one of the 100 innovators in education. Mm -hmm. Can you take us through some of your experiences showcasing Protsahan's journey there? Um,
1: So, when um, we uh, got a call, uh, we got an email from the 100 team, I think... uh, uh, earlier this year saying that um, you know our approach of work and impact has been selected for um, the 100 recognition this year um, so would you want to you know uh, or will be sorry will be considered for the uh, 100 showcase um, this year we almost felt like uh, you know another application form to be filled and it takes a long time and you know sometimes when you're completely at the grassroots that's the last thing you want to do you know and I think um, my uh, my partner in crime or my husband right now who's actually quit his tech consulting and he is joining on full time both of us are like absolutely um, you know mad people when it comes to um, both of us so most i am more of a grassroots person he is more of somebody who's operations uh, person and when he looked at that mail the first time um, i was like let 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 it go you know just let it be but he uh, believed that you know we we should be able we should be filling that up we should be applying and maybe the right kind of connections will lead to you know us being able to do more of our work with the right maybe networks right funding you know right people and so he filled the form in um, and a couple of Skype calls interviews due diligence calls later um, we made it to that list um, and I think uh, once we were there both of us, when, when once we were there in the beginning of this November 2019, it really dawned upon us that, you know, um, where were we exactly? Because I think when we talk about Protsahan, even in our own heads, we look at it as, you know, something that we're doing in India, something that is very localized, something that, um, you know, we really can't put it into a model which is replicable, or it's, it's more one-on-one with the, you know, making sure the approach to one child is right. But when we went there, you know, and we looked at the heart approach itself being recognized, we were actually pleasantly though, but taken aback because um, this is something that we've believed in, you know, uh, this is something that we have like literally worked in uh, as the core of our, uh, you know, approach of work in the last 10 years and when Somebody as um, you know big as the um, you know the Helsinki um, education department hundred you know all of these uh, people where you fee- where you've you know always known that the education in this part of the world is like one of the best and the most fantastic systems I think when they recognize your approach it's it's a little pat on your back that you know sometimes on on low days um, that little pat makes all the difference. And I think it came at a time when we were um, facing that little funding crunch and it came at a time where, you know, we just had to kind of gear up our horses all the more and say, hey, you know, that now we cannot look back. We, we got to go the last mile. We have to just like make, make this happen. So that 100 recognition was that little pat on the back at, at I think just the most uh, perfect time that it could have happened.
0: That's beautiful, Sonal. And may you have many, many more pats on the back and many, many more accolades, as well as funding support. So listeners, if you do feel inclined, Sahan is where your money should actually be at. On that note, um, you talked about how you're a grassroots person and just your husband is uh, into the operations side. But where you are right now, working both with Protsahan as well as um, in the, I think, serving as a member of the Expert Committee on Anti-Child Trafficking at the Delhi Commission for Women. Did I get that right? Yes, yes. Right. So you have this really unique position where you can use everything that you've seen and learned and experienced at the grassroots to inform policy. Um, could you take us a little to how that works? A lot of people don't quite see that component of the government's working. So maybe any insights you could share.
1: Um, I think, um, again, you know, this is a thought process or a learning rather, Katie, uh, that has come in. You know, it's it's easy for me to say after now, nine years, ten years, that, um, hey, you know, this is how it is. Advocacy is important. But I think in the initial three, four years, uh, I was so involved at the grassroots. And, um, and you know, by God's grace, we have a like really fantastic grassroots team now. Um, so now my work at the grassroots, like, I can take a step back, you know, and look at a much larger picture but in the beginning, when you start, you know, you, um, and I can speak for myself here, that in the beginning when I started, I was very micro in my approach. And a lot of young people that I see today and a, a lot of other um, older people in the sector that I see today, you know, uh, they, they keep telling young people, hey, have a macro approach, look, look big, think big. But I think it's okay in the beginning to have a micro-approach that now I understand. Because if you are not empathetic, if you are not creative, you know, in the beginning, if you are not, you know, if you really don't have the approach to one child or uh, whoever you're working with for that matter, you know, um, if you don't have that approach right for that one person, I don't think you can ever do justice to what you're looking at solving on scale, you know. And I think that initial three, four, five years, you um, it, it really it still is to a, to a large extent when, you know, we're looking at five children, six children, one rescue, two rescues, and uh, only much, much, much later, you know, I started understanding the importance and impact what, you know, advocacy can make. Um, uh, started realizing and I'm not much social a person. I'm not much uh, extrovert of a person. I'm not somebody who likes networking for the sake of networking. And, you know, sometimes I was just happy in, in, in the schools that, you know, little slum schools that we were building. But I also realized over a period of time that, you know, I um, unknowingly, supremely uh, subconsciously that this my voice was becoming important you know in the sector and especially for children's issues for child rights issues again I'm now pursuing my PG diploma in child rights you know at, at this age only because I want to understand the legal aspects better um, you know it, it's it's funny because three years four years back um, I used to be standing in the court presenting a child for a poxo case but now like even a step back further when i look at these books you know and i'm looking at the pocso act and i'm just thinking hey that's never that's something that the court never did that's something that you know never happened at the ground you know so even if i didn't have this knowledge you know if i only had the practical knowledge that was good enough right but the more you look at the advocacy side of things which is ideal right the more you look at the book part of things which you you also want to kind of better your knowledge at it because you want to bring a much much larger change because if at Protsahan I was only looking at you know um, my 800 girls or you know um, uh, some workshops or trainings that you know we do across the year, even then we would have been looking at 1000 educators, you know 800 this, 500 this. But I think when you start looking or uh, start becoming a part of the consultative committees with the government, your voice has a much stronger impact possible. You might not be able to. Um, very categorically trace it back to hey me saying this or me signing this paper off you know actually impacted one million people or and that's okay but I think it's important to have your voice out where it matters and sometimes um, specifically here I can speak for the Delhi government which is doing quite a bit of stuff you know when it comes to education or schools or even this um, anti uh, you know this uh, committee on anti-child trafficking Um, a lot of it was done you know and where when you're looking at you know the more more of a multi- pronged approach of what the role of the state government should be, what the role of the centre government should should be. So we came in uh, uh, as Proud Sahan with the you know, this uh, uh, thought process or this idea uh, to the government and they were very, very open to accept it. Um, and now it forms a part of the draft policy bill that's now uh, out where we said, you know, much of uh, the, we uh, have for the victim, uh, you know, uh, for the shelter after rescue. A lot of it has to do with the medical aid and lesser for counselling, psychosocial support, you know, some degree of non-formal education, vocational training, etc., but we said the psychosocial component and the healing component part of it is the most critical component. Otherwise, you are only, you know, you're sheltering somebody that you've rescued, but you are kind of still pushing a broken individual back into the, you know, you and you want to mainstream a broken individual back into the community or society. How fair is that? And when the, you know, the survivor or the victim stops to or is, is not, um you know, open to accepting the kind of doles that the, you know, the government of the society is giving out, you again go back to victim bashing that, hey, this is what the government, you know, is doing for you. You're not taking it. But Where is the psychosocial support angle to it? And I think Swati manival's team was very, 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 very open to, um, you know, accepting this as a key point in the final, um, you know, uh, draft policy on rehabilitation and combating trafficking of women and children um, uh, by government of NCT Delhi. I think, and this was one of our most flagship contributions to the draft policy where psychosocial healing and, you know, support to that survivor needs to be of prime, utmost importance. So when you're looking at, um, and a lot of others who currently will also be working with the government on the surrogacy bill. But, you know, when you look, uh, because a lot of the Surrogacy debate has to also do with child abuse, which gets neglected, you know, because when the commissioning parents who are looking for surrogate mothers, uh, they will not look for one surrogate mother. You know, um, even if you put the money part of it aside, they will always, somebody who's affluential or somebody who has a lot of money, you know, they will be looking at four or five. um, uh, They're literally not, um, you know, surrogate mothers. They they call them wombs on rent, you know. Um, With such apathy, you know, when things exist in the system, all the four or five wombs on rent, quote unquote, will, um, you know, will become pregnant and um, they will deliver babies. And the commissioning parent in some cases, most cases then picks a baby and the other four babies are either killed right at the, you know, seven month, eight month of, um, you know, fetus stage or when they are, um, you know, either if they are um, uh, born then they are kind of left to the childcare institutions because there is no taker of these babies so we are you know again working with the government on the surrogacy bill and kind of uh, um, you know how to regulate you know uh, this bit so because again you know sometimes you um, uh, you know you don't want to get into policy when you when you begin um, you don't want to even get into the management of your own organization honestly when you begin but I think these are nuances that over a period of time, you end up realizing how imperative they are. Because if you do not, you know, these things will go out and n- nothing will change. What what will change, you know? So, yeah, we, we try. We just try each day to do better unto our children.
2: Absolutely agree with you about the importance of a bottom-up, individualistic approach that's um, empathetic and not cookie-cutter-based. Um, and I completely empathize with you about not wanting to manage your own organization or getting into these kind of policies <laughs> and things. So thank you so much. Like deeply, uh, We're really deeply grateful that you continue to fight this good fight. And I, I can imagine that rescuing girls from dangerous situations and encouraging their families to step back from restricting their freedoms to study can be challenging. So what informs your approach to dealing with such resistance?
1: um i think um, when you start you know so initially uh, there's this example that i like i'd like to give so in 2013 you know we were just like maybe 3 years old uh, three or four years old as an organization and um, there was this case where we were teaching uh, stuff about menstrual hygiene to the girls and we were using these uh, science charts you know these body anatomy charts etc but the only thing was we were using cartoons of uh, on the same and I still remember there was this um, teacher that we used to have uh, at Protsan, who uh, you know this this idea of teaching of uh, teaching about periods and body anatomy to girls through cartoons was was very revolutionary for her. And the next thing we know is uh, that you know she has gone into the community, and we were using cartoons and music. Yes. And the next thing we know is that, you know, she's gone into the community to say that um, you know, this is the place where, um, I don't know what's the exact English for it, but uh, basically this is the space where, you know, a lot of uh, prostitution can happen or happens uh, because, you know, these guys talk about, to literally, do language used um, um, and the community lapped it, up, lapped it up you know and I remember that one week you know of resistance is a probably a, a softer word but you know how the community came up in arms and all of that and that was the time I didn't understand law I, I was just probably a teacher in the slum with the kids um, but then of course you kind of gradually you, know, you file your first FIR and you understand oh this is where it's going but I think, uh, and maybe I think in another uh, two weeks, uh, the situation calmed down because the girls were dying to come back to Krodzahan and we had to shut Krodzahan for a week. Uh, but the girls were dying to come back and, you know, then they had to convince the mothers and the mothers were not allowing, them, or the parents basically were not allowing them to come back. And then I had to go to you know, literally to kind of um, request them to come back that you, if you think that I was wrong, I wouldn't have come back again. But see, here I am. The police have kind of, you know, uh, it, it was one, um, you know, now when I look back in retrospect, you know, it's 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 funny that all of these things happen. But um, even now, you know, there are times when, especially when uh, we, we try and stop marriages uh, of young girls who are 10 years, 12 years in the community, uh, a lot of backlash also happens. Sometimes for two weeks, one week, um, I literally cannot go into the community because uh, I just cannot go into the community and only when once the ghusa comes down, you know, once the um, I I'm kind of I, I go with a little police protection or something. I think um, then, and gradually, you know, because they also realize um, what is right and what is wrong. They just need a lot more time to do that. And I think uh, nobody has told them, uh, you know, any other way. Uh, so there is backlash, there is resistance. It's not that, uh, and those stories will, trust me, never make. We will never put them up on Facebook or social media On you know, on all of that. We generally talk about the, you know, super achievements that my girls have uh, been a part of. But there is always resistance. But I think... Uh, beyond that thin line of resistance, you no know, I think that's when change happens. That's when breakthrough happens. It's that thin line of resistance that we keep saying, hey, that's big, that's big. Okay? I can't go, you know, I can't um, cross that thin line of resistance. And we think from this side, that, that, that line is huge. But that line is actually one step away from your breakthrough. And I think uh, a lot of fears um, kind of, you know, take a backseat when you cross that line. And in the last ten years, uh, I still get scared about a lot of things. Um, why, you know, sometimes I do uh, these these things in the community. For, um, so uh, in 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 the forefront, they will look like child rights and human rights and all of that. But in in a step back, I sometimes have to be scared for um, you know not going that day in the community because I might just be yeah. So there there there's a lot of resistance, but I think um, maybe a week or two or three weeks down the line, it all gets alright. It really gets okay.
0: Thank you for sharing that, Sonal. Um, this this actually inspires me to share something, and I I've, I've probably not shared this with you on WhatsApp so far as I remember. So I hope uh, this this brings you some um, I don't know some some source of strength. But a couple of weeks ago, I was at a corporation school here in Chennai. and working on a safe unsafe touch awareness uh, session with a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. two men showed up um, and they were just they were not connected with the school they were not teachers they were not staff they were not parents from what I understood but they were just there lurking around and they were listening to the session staring Mm -hmm. at me through it all Mm -hmm. I didn't stop I finished the session I left and they followed me out they were waiting to see where I was going because I could see they were, you know, you you know, right, you know, these things, you know, you're being watched, you know, you're being observed. Yeah. we so were listening to see where I was taking my auto and, um, I got into my auto and I managed to get home safe so far. Nothing has happened, but you were on my mind that, that, that entire journey back home. You were on my mind because I was thinking of how you do this every day. And that strengthened me that, um, I I also remember coming back home, um, and sending Vaishnavi a very flustered note telling her all of this that had happened, but you were entirely on my mind. So it's not just the, the girls whose lives you're touching in, um, through your work directly in Protsahan, but so many of us who are far away from you are still drawing courage from you. So thank you, truly.
1: Thank you. You are a rock star in a lot many ways than I can ever mention, Kirti. And I think your team at Red Elephant is incredible because, you know, sometimes we believe, I get sometimes uh, completely knocked out by, you know, uh, volunteers, um, you know, committing to something and then never showing up, you know, but I think uh, the way you reach out to people, the way people reach out, you know, and this camaraderie and the sisterhood that you've built around uh, Red uh, Red Elephant Foundation, I think it's, it's incredible because we, you know, both of us take Courage from each other, and you know, you know, some days when there are tough days, or you know, on me, I I just simply send you a WhatsApp text because I know that you know, not a lot of people get you right, and I'm I'm so incredibly grateful that you know, you always have answers filled with empathy for me. Like I I'm really grateful for that. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Sonal. More power and strength and love to you always. Just just want to chime in and say that you both are amazing and I love this compliment. <laughs> going on. Well, you're
0: not far from it. So come right in and make this a
2: circle. <laughs> I think our listeners would feel um, really, I don't know. They might feel like we're just too positive. So I don't want that.
0: <laughs> no, I hope this is a great example for what solidarity and sisterhood looks like, if anything
2: else, right? Um, oh, yes, that definitely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So, Sonal, one of the things you talked about is how some of these stories don't make their way into social media or on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a consumer of information on Protsan, one of the things that I have seen is you completely stay off what is known as vulnerability or poverty porn, as it were. Mm-hmm. And the world does see the impact that you uh, create and that. That creates. So how do you walk this tightrope? What is uh, the formula or how do you approach the process of uh, presenting impact without taking away from the dignity and the privacy of the girls who work with you?
1: Um, I think uh, a lot of times, um, now that you ask me, Geti, um, you know, Uh, I do realize, though, that um, uh, I absolutely detest to, you know, kind of sell the vulnerable side of, and who am I to talk about somebody's story with a picture and a face and, you know, the family background. If I talk about my girls, it will only be about the awesome stuff that they've done in life. And if I talk about the vulnerable story, it will never be with a face. And that is something that we have, um, you know, when we uh, came up with our child protection policy um, long back, we very categorically made made this a mentioned ran it through the staff made sure the staff understood it in letter and spirit and you know um, because it's not just about what we portray on social media or elsewhere it's also about how much does your team get it you know because if the team is not on the same page uh, we will be flouting the base most basic child protection guidelines you know even if I keep the child protection guideline part of it on one end you know because that is imperative you have to follow it there is no two questions about it. Even if I keep that on a side, there's a basic level of sensitivity and empathy that I think is clearly lacking when I look at things, you know, um, out on social media. I, you know, this very recent rape case that happened, people are putting the name, people are putting the identity of, of the victim right out there. And, you know, with before and after pictures, I mean, where is the sensitivity and empathy? Like, I, I sometimes I I don't even want to question because I know it will be met with a wall. You know, and it, it really um, uh, angers me. And a lot of time, I think people also say that, um, you know, uh, as a woman, because you're working in the NGO space, you you get, you get tend to get angry all the time. And I always tell them that the problem is that women don't get angry enough. And if they get angry enough, they're asked to shut up, you know, because anger is something that a woman is not supposed to um, portray or show. And, you know, it's only... Um, Uh, a domain that men can carry off but I think it's okay to get angry and it's it's absolutely not okay to you know sell somebody's vulnerability like I I still see organizations and some of the very very big organizations um, for their uh, biggest fundraising campaigns they have uh, you know like a really dilapidated looking face with like literally like a begging bowl in hand saying if you don't support this this will my point is that there is, you know, there's always this um, uh, something that I believe in life that there, there are two uh, mindsets with which you can operate from. One is a mindset or a place of scarcity and one is a mindset or a place of abundance. And I think when you are looking, it might sound, again, something which is not, um, um, you know, something out of the books or whatever, but I think this is something that I believe in that, you know, the fact that I or Protsahan always operates from that spirit of abundance for my girls I did this this you know this intersectionality thing came through when we were only looking at education or you know rescues or protection or those sort of things we realized hey no we got to work on menstrual hygiene because how can we not have this girl um, you know everything is not done on a mobile app? you know you sometimes need to go to the grassroots, fix caste issues fix issues that will probably even never be fixed but try fixing them you know and I think people who just try and sell those sad faces sad stories uh, you know with, with no regard to the identity or, or the you know the basic empathy in place um, that's really not okay that they're, they're doing injustice much way 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 more than how they're trying to solve the problem I think if your basic sense of empathy is lacking, then no matter what you do, I don't think that that goes the last mile or the long way.
2: So well said, uh, Sunal. I think we keep coming back to this idea of women's anger and vulnerability, especially when we and Katie spoke to uh, Soraya Shamali uh, a few weeks back. Um, and she also said something along the same lines about how we don't approach things with empathy, then really there's no moving forward from these kind of instances. So you've overcome many battles and helped so many others overcome many challenges and adversities. Looking back at your journey so far, is there anything that you would have done differently? Mm,
1: maybe taken care of myself a little more. Um, again, this is something that I think I can uh, say that at 33, uh, maybe I would have never said it at 25, but I also realized that, um, you know, how the running around and all of that, that I did at 23, 25, 26, 28 at 33, uh, I, I realized that, you know, I need a good night's sleep. If I, if I don't, I will not be doing enough justice to my work the next day. Um, so apart from, the self-care part of it, I think there are a lot of friendships that that kind of went away. Um, I don't regret any. There are a lot of great, amazing friends, um, you know, who replaced the existing ones. Because I used to, st- I literally like stopped going out. I had zero social life. I never bothered to buy new clothes for new, you know, uh, places that we were meeting up at. I you know I think you you kind of change I don't know evolve if that's the word I can use still for myself but you definitely change as a person and your priorities get um, very sorted you know what is it that you want what is it that you don't want and I think uh, and I can literally go and record on this podcast to say that if I wouldn't have found somebody like just I wouldn't have married like um, you know someone who like I come back home, you know, and he makes sure that my dinner is ready. You know, I, if he is late at work, then I'm, whatever I can kind of put together that is can't, can't say it's dinner. But I think uh, then I make sure that it's ready, you know, and it's never about, hey, I should be doing the cooking, he should be in the, it's, it's just complimenting each other. So I think in all these years, if there's one thing that um, I should have taken care of myself better. I can say that with a lot of um, you know terror and confidence and understanding of myself now, but other than that, I would have still wanted to make the same mistakes. I would have still wanted to you know do the same things because I I think that's what makes me today, and I don't want to be like you know the uh, all all you know that's fine the way it exists, but I think I don't want to be someone who is um, shallow and who looks great on on profile facebook profile but is completely shallow from within i don't want to be that I, i'm happy to make to have made the mistakes i did because that makes who i am today That was
0: so beautifully said. Um, It's lovely that you embraced all the mistakes and it's lovely that you wanted to give yourself more care. Uh, I I mean, for me, that also feels like an extension of the heart principle because it's also showing yourself room to recover from your own traumas, right? Uh, Make the mistakes you will, but give yourself the care to heal from them, which is so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, On that note, down to our last question, Sonal. uh, You know, so many young people have goals and ambitions that um, want to put them on the paths that you are on. Uh, and at the same time, it's a very attractive place. There's a certain tendency to glamorize work like the one, you know, like like what you're doing. Um, what would your advice be to a young
1: person who's just setting sail on that journey at this point? Um, I, I think I know exactly what you're saying because I meet a lot of that, you know, um, tribe um, today or these days. But I think, um, so I always classify um, too much gyan I'm giving on your podcast, Kirti. But I think I always... I uh, love it. Keep it coming. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know, I I feel that there is um, on a number line, if if at all there was a number line and, you know, I plotted these three things. um, I would start with dishonesty on the negative side, honesty on zero and then authenticity on a plus 10. And I think... um, this the scale of dishonesty, honesty and then authenticity. A lot of us are, you know, we kind of struggle between dishonesty and honesty ke beach number line on that side. I think it's it's imperative to understand to go beyond that honesty thing and be authentic. And that's that's who you are. Then you will not you know try I mean I'm sure you understand that you know the work that looks like on Twitter or social media or whatever is is not the only part of you know what we guys do sometimes it's kind of you know wading through puddles of patriarchy wading through puddles of you know um absolute absolute apathy um you know some of the uh craziest cases of child abuse that we look at and sometimes i don't even have the answers you know i will try and put uh you know a lawyer or an advocate or a counselor in, in you know in place and try to do justice to. but sometimes i fail as well but you know the whole point of it being that this is not glamorous by any any means and if you're authentic in whatever space you are you might be making a lot of money you might be you know running a for-profit business of but be authentic. Do that most authentically. If you are, you know, just, you know, I don't know, um, just doing the tiniest of thing. But if you aren't authentic, if you are honest, that's not good enough. You've got to be authentic to what you're doing. Because I think that's where the buck stops or starts rather.
2: Thank you so much, Ms. Sonal, Sonal, for those words of wisdom and advice. And as Kiti said, uh, there's not enough gyan that we can get from (laughs) you. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us on our Feminifesto podcast. We really, really enjoyed this episode and I just love hearing all about your story.
1: Bye. Thank you for having me, Vesh. Thank you. Thank you for um, you know taking our time to listen to our fellow sisters, you know, story, journey. I just wish that, you know, there were more people who came together, you know, the way I literally like the way you guys do, the way uh Keithy and you know the entire team, you red elephant people, all of you guys, the way you pay it forward all all the time. I think that's the spirit young people need to kind of, you know, imbibe and move forward with. All power to you guys. All power to you guys.
2: Thank you you so much. Always in solidarity.
0: Absolutely. Well said. Well said.